Welcome to season six of the Casted Podcast. And you know, we're back with more of our very own customers. Why might you ask? Well, because by becoming Casted customers, it's pretty clear how committed they are, not only to podcasting as a key piece of the future of their marketing efforts, but also the bigger picture of how these shows all fit into their integrated marketing strategy. They're the most forward-thinking brands that are harnessing the perspectives of experts with their podcasts. And then they're not stopping there, they're ringing out those interviews to be amplified across all other marketing channels. They're practicing what we preach, and I want you to hear all about what they are doing, why they're doing it, and how you can do it too. I'm Lindsay Chepkema, CEO and co-founder of Casted, the first and only amplified marketing platform for B2B marketers. And this is our podcast. Today's conversation is with Dana Iskoldsky from BlueCat. As you know, IT can be a difficult industry to get people to talk about, especially in a B2B podcast, where organizations can be extra careful about what they can safely give away. Well, IT is exactly what Blue Cat wanted to cover. So they buckled down and thought hard about how they could create a community around their podcast, Network Disrupted, and how the show allowed them more flexibility than other traditional content to turn a conversation into something lots of people would really find valuable. In the beginning, Dana was limited in what she could do, but the important thing was that she had a clear strategy about what the podcast should be about, who the ideal host would be, and how to get the most relevant guests to come on the show. Now with two seasons under her belt, Dana shares some of the most invaluable lessons that she's learned about how to best produce a podcast and keep leadership apprised of how and why it's successful. Dana, so glad that you're here. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Lindsay. All right, so let's let's talk a little bit first about Blue Cat and your show and kind of how it came together and the role that, that you play. Let's kind of get oriented around that as we kick things off. Sure. So we launched our show in and about two years ago. Um, before that, I had just started working with Blue Cat and it was in a, a sort of, PR meets a little bit of effort in brand awareness kind of a role. And I remember podcasting was so, it it was still kind of new to to everyone. Maybe people listen to a podcast, but they, you know, my VP maybe had his like NPR they listened to. And that was the one thing he did. Um, And he didn't necessarily see how you could do a B2B tech podcast Mm -hmm. and and make it successful. Uh, But we got to talking about... And this was between my VP of marketing. So his name's Jim, um, our chief strategy officer, Andrew, who's, who's just got like a wealth of knowledge trapped in his head. Um, and, and we kind of got to talking about, well, there's all these great stories that we hear around, you know, Andrew's in a meeting and a customer of ours reveals something that would be so valuable for somebody else to hear, except no one was in the room. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really hard, especially in our industry where, I mean, we do very sort of nerdy IT that, you know, if it doesn't work, your organization might not function. And so people keep that stuff really close to the the chest or the vest or whatever you call it. So getting someone after a call like that to then come back with you and say, hey, can we write up a uh, case study or can we do a blog post with you again? Can we take another hour of your time? It's really hard. 
And so what we started thinking about was, well, how do we create, and and we're all about building community, however you measure that or define that, um, and how do you sort of allow people to make connections uh, through content? And we realized blogging might not necessarily be the best way. Podcasting gives you so much flexibility and it's still kind of new. You can do a lot with it. You can turn a conversation into something valuable for other people. So that was kind of the genesis of, of the podcast at Blue Cat. That's cool. Very cool. So, and in your role there, I mean, you, as you just told us, like you were part of how it all came together. Um, and I know that you're, you're running a lot still. So, so what, uh, what do you do as far as the show? And, and kind of, I'm also curious, I'm always curious to ask this, like, what else do you do? Because it's very rare that somebody gets to focus on the show full time, right? So how, how does it, how does your role, um, fit around this podcast and um, kind of what are the different roles that you play within the show? Mm -hmm. So I'll start with the context, which is at the time that I started the podcast, I was mostly just responsible for our our PR and our influencer relationship strategy. It has since grown. So I've recently taken over just like our our content operation. This is very recent. I'm still learning the ropes. (laughs) But I mean, there's obviously a a very clear tie between podcasting and all of those things. And it's funny, when we started, the, the directive was we want a podcast. Right? Figure it out. Yeah. And it really was a pet project. We didn't know how to measure it. So it wasn't like it would count towards the exact same. It wouldn't count the exact same way as, yeah. as I, as the stuff that I did before. Um, so it was really just one of those like moon shoot offshoot kind of experiments that you do. And, and thankfully I had the air covered to be able to spend the time on it and to be able to spend enough time on it. Mm-hmm. And as you know, it takes a lot. So I did all of these sort of concept design um, the figuring out and sort of hitting your head against a wall around, okay, well, how much capacity do we have for this? Is this a weekly thing? Is that realistic? Mm-hmm. Um, what's it about? Who's on it? What's the format? Worked very closely with our host and well, Blue Cat's chief strategy officer, Andrew, to, to sort of figure out where are the good topics? Uh, who might be a great guest for something like this? And then, so from that design stage, I, I now produce the podcast, so I don't host it. Mm-hmm. But I'll do everything from guest sourcing to arranging, making sure that we get all our editing done. At the very beginning, I used to, I, I started for a very little bit just editing the thing as well. Quickly realized that is not in my wheelhouse of skills and hired someone to do that. First, it was, I mean, first it was just a co-op on our team who happened mm-hmm. to know GarageBand. And we would like, we would do a transcript of the episode. I would highlight the bits that I want to keep. Yeah. send it to her. She'd fix it up for me. Um, then she had to go back to school and I convinced her to stay on for a bit actually and, and continue to do the editing. But after, after a while, we realized like she's got to, you know, she's got to start a next internship. I need to find an, uh, like a, a freelancer for this. Mm-hmm. And so I do the, the sort of planning around it and the coordination and I'm on all of the recording calls. Um, so Lindsay, right now it's you and me. In, in sort of our version of this, there's Andrew, the host, which would be you, the guest, which would be me. And then there's, there's sort of an extra person there keeping an eye on the conversation and, and sort of prompting and helping figure out where can we go mm-hmm. and just monitoring to make sure everything is, is working okay. Yeah. Um, so awesome. that's what I do now. And I'm in awesome. the midst of planning or rather the early stages of planning the third season here. 
Got it. Man, I think that there's probably a lot of people listening that can are really resonating with, first of all, all of the things you're doing. And, and two, like all the different parts of the process that, um, that are involved, right? So let's talk a little bit some of the, about each of those stages, right? So putting together your show, um, how, let's, what are, what's some of the advice that you would share around those questions that you, that you just asked um, or shared that you had asked yourself? Like, what's the format like? Do we have guests? How do we find those guests? Like, how did you start to um, answer those questions as you were, in your words, kind of designing the, the show? How did, you, how did you come to those? How did you really work out that strategy? A lot of it had to do with, and creativity is kind of bred through limitation, I guess. Um, but we did not have much time or many resources to, to start off with this thing. And so mm-hmm. um, we could, there's, there's some really great podcasts out there that are a huge production, both from an audio standpoint and from a storytelling perspective where they've got interviews and are spurst with, you know, voiceover um, narration. Yep we could not do that. That would have been a huge lift. And so we looked at, well, what is it that we can do? And what is it that we're good at? Mm-hmm. And we realized that what we're good at is, is one, teasing out information from other people um, and, and sort of asking the right questions. And what we can manage is one-to-one interviews because they don't take as much prep as something like, um, i trying to think of the podcast. I think Serial is probably a good example. Yeah, of where there's lots the of narratives and layers and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we did what we could and, and that was the one-to-one interviews. They're, they provide you, especially when you've got a host who's a you know, C-suite leader, who's got a, you know, traveling all over the world. I mean, not anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Once upon a time. But you need that flexibility. And yeah. so we, we chose the one-to-one interview format. We used to do like prep sessions with guests ahead of time. We now realize you can, you can almost just bucket the two meetings together. Our guests are, are usually representative of, you know, some of our buyers and some of our customers. So we both know them well, and we end up generally knowing what they struggle with already. Yeah. Um, but they're also really good on the fly. Like a lot of them don't want to put too much prep into it anyway. Yeah. Uh, does that answer the question? Yeah, no, absolutely. So that actually tees up the next question. So how do you find your guests? I know some people don't struggle with it at all. And they're like, oh my gosh, it's just no big deal. Others um, have more questions around it. Like, how do I know, how do I know who even to go ask at, to be on the show? Like, how, how has that looked for you? How do you find your guests? How do you uh, go ask the right people? Um, what's that look like for you? Uh, there's a, so there's a type of guest that we have in mind when we're sort of going after looking for guests. And for us, it actually is really hard to land them, by the way. Um, so we look for, again, people who represent the IT leaders that we talk to on a daily basis, whose struggles we're trying to, to pull up and, and shine some light on. Mm-hmm. So it makes it easy from a, you know, go on LinkedIn, search up the VP of IT or the VP of architecture at a certain organization. That part's easy. Uh, the hard part comes where, and I don't know why, but the folks that we target, their organizations often we find have some sort of policy around, mm. you, know, you need to go through an approval chain or, you know, 
don't say anything too sensitive. Don't get into the nitty gritty of how you do things because that's a risk. Certain personas and certain industries and certain verticals are like that. They're more regulated. I mean, if you're going after, for us, we're talking to marketers, right? And this is literally what we do all the time, but you get into IT, you get into security, you get into science or medical device or legal. um, And all of those people, there's, they either can or can't do it at all. And then if they can, it's like, okay, we need to, we need to have a script. Well, that kind of defeats the purpose. And we need to, you know, preview the questions first. Like, well, that's going to be really authentic or we need to hear it before it goes live, which is, you know, um, that can work. So uh, yeah, again, I, I interrupted, but let's, how does that work for you? How do you get around that? It, so it's funny that that you talk about the casted use case because I used to work at a company that also marketed software to marketers. Like that yeah. would be whole nother world. Yes. <laughs> um, here I find, and, and maybe it's because I'm on sort of the, the PR end of Blue Cat as well. I understand where the worry comes from with mm-hmm. comms departments. And so I've found like, even when they review things, we send them the transcript up like as soon as it, we have it. Uh, I find I haven't had many massive edits mm-hmm. come in at all through the, the past two seasons that we've done. Uh, we once had a guest who asked us to remove something because she she felt like it might reflect negatively on her organization because she she kind of you know revealed something that wasn't too great. But I, I dug in a little bit and I was like, are, well, why are you worried? Is this something confidential or, or do you just feel like you're going to look bad? And she actually said, you know what? You're right. Let's keep it in there. This is reality. Yeah. And so I find if you can get past the the sort of blanket no. Mm-hmm. And some organizations will have that, and it's just a policy that they have, and you know, case closed there. Yeah. Um, but you can work with them. Like you'll send them the transcript in advance. You can send them the questions in advance. I don't mind putting together a set of dummy questions that yeah. may get used, may not get used. Uh, I think it's just about giving them a little bit more visibility into what what they're signing up for. Yeah. More comfort. Yeah. Um, but it is hard, especially to get the the yes. We'll explore it. Definitely leverage your network. Yeah. Um, if your executives or or sort of their past peers know someone, the, the best people to go to are people that you already trust and already know you. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, you can do, and I've done cold LinkedIn outreach. You got to send out a lot of messages to get responses back. Yep. Um, sometimes we found gems. I think another really great thing to do is to look in the news and see who's already being interviewed, featured, whatever it is you'll find that those people, if they're already there, they, their comms departments are most likely, you know, flexible. They clearly have an appetite for doing the brand, the personal brand building stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've had success there as well. And you can find their emails online pretty easily. Okay, so you've talked about, you mentioned your host. Um, you, have mm-hmm. a, you have a C-suite host and it sounds like you guys work really well together, I'm assuming, based on kind of how successful the show has been and everything that I'm hearing so far. How did you, how did you find the host? Like, how did you select that? Was it just an obvious, like they're going to do it or were there any, was there any discussion around kind of what the show needed to be and therefore who the show's host should be? It was kind of obvious. It it was partially built around him and because of the nature of his role and the kinds of interactions he has. Natural thought leadership already. Made it really easy. He was kind of our lined up target from a marketing perspective or, or brand building perspective as the executive whose who's brand you're trying to build up. Yeah, that makes sense. So what advice do you have there for others who are um, in the shoes that you've been in and they're trying to build up their show and maybe it's not as obvious or maybe there's someone that everybody thinks it's obvious, but maybe that's not the best person for 
what you're trying to do with the show. Be clear about what you want out of your show. And I think that'll, that'll help you figure out who it is, who's a good fit. Mm-hmm. And then consider things like, are they bought in and are they willing to give you the time? Yeah. Uh, it's not just, you know, show up for the recording and be done with it. Uh, it especially when you're starting it up, you also want their input, you want their feedback. Um, so find someone who is excited about it and is an advocate. You can always tweak it a little bit. Like if you've got um, someone who's really willing and is capable and can speak, um, you know, in a in a podcast form, like they've got to be a little bit engaging and interesting and open to um, to learning new techniques for pulling mm-hmm. things out of people or how or whatever you know the format of your podcast is. Yeah. Um, I guess look for all those things and whoever's who scores the highest on that matrix is your target mm-hmm. yeah. and, and work as closely as you can with them, but, but try to do as much legwork as possible for them. That makes sense. So uh, again, you have, you know, someone who's a, you know, C-level executive. This is not, you know, what he's spending all of his time doing. This is not what he should be spending all of his time doing. How do you, help manage that time. Do you have any advice that you can give? Because there's that's something that I hear a lot as far as like, oh, it should definitely be our CMO. It should definitely be our this person, that person, this person. But he or she is very concerned about how much time it's going to take because it, it does take time. Like you said, it isn't just showing up for, for interviews, but there are lots of different ways I've heard about, you know, like clumping all the interviews together at a certain time of the week or month or whatever. Um, others just trying to minimize the work over here. What do you do to help manage that time and also, you know, keep him engaged when his calendar inevitably I'm sure gets insane and he still has his podcast to do. Uh, yeah. So the one tip, and it might not be super relevant to exactly this question, but is, sure. is make friends with the executive um, assistant who works with them. They're mm-hmm. going to help you a lot and give you insight into, you know, either how they feel about something or whether they're too busy or what's coming down the, the pipeline for them. So do that, but then second, do as much research as you can for them. So say you've got a guest and, and maybe you've done the outreach and, and they're, you know, the guest is ready to meet your host, mm-hmm. prep your host, give them all the information. We use Slack at Blue Cat. So I literally just send a whole sort of bullet point list of here's what you should know. Here's what I think you could ask the person about based on what I know. Um, and I send that, I mean, our host is pretty good, so he doesn't need much time and he can do things on the fly. Some people like to get this material farther in advance. Um, so figure out your host's style, um, but just as much research as you can. Put it all, centralize it in front of them and mm-hmm. then give them, I don't know if you want to start scheduling maybe like 10 minutes ahead of the call or something like that uh, to just give them the time to breathe if they haven't yet and um, and do some just basic Googling or, or look at the person's LinkedIn that they're about to interview yeah. I find that helps. And then take ownership of the thing. Like, don't ask too much about what should we keep? What should we cut? Um, you should know the content well enough too, that the editing process is very light on them. Yeah. Okay. So you have proven that you are a an incredibly thorough producer. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that that's very clear. I think people are probably like taking notes like, oh my gosh, that's a good idea. Oh, that's a really good idea too. So what... What do you think it is about you? What skills do you have that you think are important for a role like yours to, to producing a show, to keeping it on track, to keeping it organized, to keeping the, the host prepared and confident and um, managing their time? Like, what, what do you think is important if you are um, going to be the person kind of behind the scenes uh, of a show? Okay, therapy session. Um, 
I think to some degree, like you need to be detail oriented uh, mm-hmm. because there's so many little things that sort of rely on one another within the, the setting up of the podcast. And you can very easily start to feel a little bit over your head mm-hmm. or in over your head about it. And then the other thing is just the ability to go with the flow because as much prep as you do, things will not go according to plan and you need to be okay with that. Like you can draft as many questions as you want for your host. They're not going to follow the script. And it's probably hopefully, best that they kind of hopefully they don't follow the script. Exactly. That's when you get the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like the whole point, I think, in doing the prep and being so prepared is just to be able to be a little bit more flexible on the fly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess it's a mix of those things. And then if you've got an eye for content or you've got, I feel like it's easy to, to fall into the platitudes of content and sort of reiterate the same things that everyone else is. Um, if you can look past that and, and both push your host and push your guests and sort of set the expectation up front that, you know, we're here to deliver value to the listener. If that means I need you to get a little uncomfortable and tell me if like a specific story of how you did something, mm-hmm. um, please do. Yeah. And, and so it's to, to be able to see that, I think maybe everyone's got that eye. Maybe not everyone does, but I think that makes the podcast great. We've talked about kind of how your show came together, a little bit about how you make it, how you make it tick. Um, what do you do with it once you have an episode? So you go through all this work, you have a great guest, your host is prepared, you're doing all of this crazy, amazing organization in the background to make it happen. Um, and as we talked about, one of the things you said right before we hit record was you can't just, um, you know, send something out to Spotify and hope that it's going to get a million listens, especially in B2B, because the and this is one thing that I talk to a lot of people about is that B B two C or just consumer podcast somebody is on Spotify and Apple looking for you know true crime podcasts or whatever it is whereas B two B you're hoping that people find your content based on search intent like I want to learn this I want to buy this I want to um, dive deeper into this so I'm going to search for it. And hopefully, you know, this content comes up, you know, one of the, one of the pieces of content is, is a show. So let's talk a little bit about what, what you do once you have a show um, and, and how you get it out there into the world and kind of what, what else you do with it. Yeah, sure. So I, I think probably important to note is having someone listen to your podcast is great. That's not the only value you get out of a podcast. Mm-hmm. I think for us, especially when we came at it was, Amazing if someone listens through all the way to the end. If someone even just knows, though, that the podcast exists and can tie the name of our host to the name of the podcast, and you know, maybe there's a guest there who's super relevant and someone identifies with, even if they don't listen to the thing, that's success to us. So the sort of high level, I guess you can look at impressions here, but um, obviously do the whole sort of social sharing. That's kind of the obvious thing. Mm-hmm. Um, don't assume that the algorithms are helping you and, and get comfortable reposting things a lot and, and yes. sort of creating a cadence where, you know, you've got this new, and, and this is a content problem in general is distribution and how to do that right and make the most of the content piece you just invested time into. Mm-hmm. Um, create a cadence where, you know, you've got your podcast. Well, what do you turn that into? Do you turn it into, here's an announcement post, but then you know, pull some stats or some facts out of it for the week after, and then the week after that, and the week after that. So create a bit of a drip. Um, Use your other, um, 
available channels to your advantage. So if you've got email, if your host knows people, do that. Mm-hmm. The other thing that we do is we turn our podcast episodes into blogs as well. So we repurpose the content in a bunch of ways. We also turn them, I mean, we turn our episodes into like these little PowerPoints as well that we post on social as little summaries. Mm-hmm. Um, but like not everyone's an audio listener and that's okay. And, and if you feel like you can meet people where they're at, and I know this takes time, like summarizing a blog episode is, is not a one hour affair to put onto a blog uh, or summarizing a podcast episode yeah. is not a one hour affair. Um, but if you can invest the time there, then you've got another excuse to share it and another excuse to interact with your guest. Mm-hmm. Um, on the guest front, I find many people just hope that the guest will share. And again, like not an expectation on guests to be sharing at all. But I think if you're inviting people on your podcast, you've got at least a sense that um, that community is important and the value of sort of the network and the amplification that, that the guest brings exists. Mm-hmm. Um, I, this is not my idea. I actually stole it off of somebody else's podcast mm-hmm. is create a little like fact sheet for your guests after the fact that's almost got all the, the materials that they're going to need to either send to their comms teams who, by the way, love this stuff and yeah. want to share from their corporate account. It's a great like employer brand thing for them but also for your guests. So like, um, I remember the the fact sheet that I had included, um, you know, the links to everything, uh, both the podcast episode, the blog, when it comes out, the, um, all the socials that are relevant, a couple of sample posts that they could literally copy paste Mm -hmm. right into their LinkedIn or Twitter, and even some imagery that they could literally swipe. Yeah. Just making it super, super easy. Um, I know when people do that for me, it's like, oh, okay, well, I'll just take this and I'll personalize a little bit, but it, giving somebody something to start with mm-hmm. that much more likely. I think even, even people with the best intentions who might love you, love your show, love everything about the experience that they had, people are busy, you know? So the easier, the, the, the fewer barriers that they have to, to scale, um, the better and, and the more likely they're going to take what you have and share it. Okay, so what kind of in summary, kind of looking at how your show has come together and you're, you've, you told me you're starting to work on season three, right? That's coming down the pipe. So you're a couple of seasons in. What overall um, kind of lessons learned do you, do you wish you had known? Um, what you'd known then, wish you had known then, what you know now, what would you share to others that are either looking to get started or um, kind of scale up their, their podcasting efforts? I would say that it takes a long time and you're not going to feel a lot of, of what success or what you think success is going to feel like for a long time. Um, so, you know, set yourself little milestones or little wins, whether it's just making it to publishing the first episode or, you know, getting the first person to, to sort of comment on one of your social posts where you shared it out saying, I thought this was great. I listened to it. You know, you're not going to see that in the numbers yet necessarily, but that means so much when, when a real human being took the time to comment something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so progress is slow. Don't assume that it's going to be a smash hit right away. Um, make sure that you give distribution some solid thought, even though I know you've probably already put a lot of time into doing something. Yeah. And hope that you have enough, I guess, time to put into it because these things do take a lot of effort, I think. One thing that content in general suffers from is is the assumption that it's so easy. It's just a blog post. It's, oh why don't I spin up a blog? Why don't I, you know, start a podcast? Mm-hmm. 
um, it takes a lot more work and just go into it eyes wide open so that you're not surprised or you don't end up having to, you know, to go back on, on a commitment that you made later. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I love, I love your thought there about like the mini, the steps along the way, like celebrating the small wins and the small victories because it is, it is a marathon. It's not a sprint, but that doesn't mean that you have to delay all gratification until you, you know, hit a million listeners or, you know, have direct attribution of however much dollars in revenue, like there are victories along the way. Like you said, there's publishing the first show, there's getting your first unsolicited uh, feedback or review. There's getting, um, reaching some milestones of, of small listeners. Like our, we had our first 10 listeners. We had our, our first show that had 100 listeners in the first week. I mean, those things are things to celebrate because they are showing that momentum is is accelerating. And that's that's what you want is continued uh, listenership. You want people that are coming back. You want new people being added all the time. And you want to start to get feedback from, you know, internal and external about how it's going and, and what people think. So. Yeah. And don't be afraid to educate people on what a podcast is and how it works is, is yeah. sort of the next thing. Like these little wins, you might understand what they mean. Um, keep translating them for the rest of your peers. That's so important for your peers and also for your leadership, um, setting expectations yeah. around like, this is why we're doing this. And this is what success looks like in our first month, in our first year, because even um, even the the leaders with with the best of intentions, like hey, we need to go start a podcast. I believe in it. I'm a big fan. Might think something is possible that's not, like because like you said, content is perceived to be oh so easy. Just go just go start a podcast, right? I keep hearing about how anybody can do it. Well, okay, just because just because you can doesn't mean it's going to be great, right? And there's a lot of effort that goes into greatness, and there's a lot of time. Um, and there's a lot of, like we said, small victories along the way. So that's, I think that's super important is, um, making sure you're educating internally, like, Hey, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. And this is what we expect to see. Super important. I mean, I can say like, we did not know, I did not have that definition of success for a year out. I was kind of taking it like week by week. Thankfully I had the air cover to be able to do that. So Mm -hmm. if you've got, you know, leadership that allows for that experimentation, take the opportunity um, so that you can at least learn what success might look like down the road. Yeah. And that's, that's important too. Like if you, you had that awareness of like, we don't know, right. This is a test. I think that's important too. Like, um, even if you say like, I don't know what success looks like, but we're going to try this. And here's these other things that we're going to continue doing that are a little bit more tried and true. Um, yeah, it's really important going into it. Awesome. This awesome well, podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And so you said uh, season three is coming up um, maybe in the fall or so, depending on when people are listening. Um, Where can they find it in the meantime? They can find it at networkdisrupted.com, which actually redirects to a casted subdomain. Uh, So thanks for hosting that. Um, (laughs) Or Network Disrupted on Twitter and LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, Dana, thank you so much for being here and for sharing the behind the scenes learnings that you have collected at Blue Cap. Of course. Thanks for having me on. That's our show. Thanks so much for listening. And for more from today's guest and some pretty amazing content that they've inspired, visit casted.us and be sure to subscribe to our newsletter to get the latest on all things Amplified Marketing. B2B Podcasting and a lot more.